Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. Hi, everyone. Dan Aminder here. On behalf of all of us at Cardiners, we are thrilled to bring you our Decipher the Guidelines series for the 2022 AHA, ACC, HFSA Guideline for the Management of Heart Failure. Get ready for short and bite-sized, high-impact, clinical vignette-based questions designed to highlight core concepts based on cutting-edge evidence that are relevant to your practice. The cases we use are hypothetical and for educational purposes only. This series was developed by Cardiners and created in collaboration with the American Heart Association and the Heart Failure Society of America. It was created by 30 trainees spanning college students through advanced fellowship with mentorship from Dr. Anu Lala, Dr. Robert Menz, and Dr. Nancy Schweitzer. We thank Dr. Judy Bizanson and Dr. Elliot Antman for their guidance. So join us as we get to learn about the guidelines and beyond from 16 leading faculty experts. With that said, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to Section 7.2 of the 2022 AHA, ACC, HFSA Guideline for the Management of Heart Failure. The question is asked by New York Medical College medical student and CardioNerds intern Akiva Rosenzweig, answered first by Leahy Hospital and Medical Center Internal Medicine Resident and CardioNerds Academy Chief Dr. Ahmed Ghanim, and then by expert faculty Dr. Randall Starling. Dr. Starling is Professor of Medicine and an Advanced Heart Failure and Transplant Cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic where he was formerly the section head of heart failure, vice chairman of cardiovascular medicine, and member of the Cleveland Clinic Board of Governors. Dr. Starling is also past president of the Heart Failure Society of America for their 2018 to 2019 term. Dr. Starling was among the earliest Cardiners faculty guests and has since been such a valuable source of mentorship and inspiration. Dr. Starling's sponsorship and support has been instrumental in the origins of the Cardiners Clinical Trials Program. Dr. Starling, thank you so much for everything you've done for CardioNerds, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. Which of the following sentences regarding diuretics in the management of heart failure is correct? A. In heart failure patients with minimal congestive symptoms, medical management with diuretics alone is sufficient to improve outcomes. B. Prescribing a loop diuretic on discharge after a heart failure hospitalization may improve short-term mortality and heart failure rehospitalization rates. C. The combination of thiazide or thiazide-like diuretics with loop diuretics is preferred to higher doses of loop diuretics in patients with heart failure and congestive symptoms. Or D, the maximum daily dose of furosemide is 300 milligrams. That's a great question, Akiva, and it really comes up very frequently on rounds. Choice B is correct, or prescribing a loop diuretic on discharge after a heart failure hospitalization may improve short-term mortality and heart failure rehospitalization rates. The guidelines give a class 1 recommendation for diuretics and heart failure patients who have fluid retention to relieve congestion, improve symptoms, and prevent worsening heart failure. Recent data from the non-randomized Optimize HF, or Organized Program to Initiate Life-Saving Treatment in Hospitalized Patients with Heart Failure, registry, revealed reduced 30-day all-cause mortality and hospitalizations for heart failure with diuretic use compared with no diuretic use after hospital discharge for heart failure. Choice A, or medical management with diuretics alone is sufficient to improve outcomes, is incorrect. With the exception of mineralocorticoid receptor antagonists, or MRAs, the effect of diuretics on morbidity and mortality are uncertain. As such, diuretics should not be used in isolation, but always combined with other GDMT for heart failure that reduce hospitalizations and prolong survival. Choice C, 
or the combination of thiazides or thiazide-like diuretics with loop diuretics is preferred to higher doses of loop diuretics is also incorrect. The use of thiazide or thiazide-like diuretics, such as metolazone, in combination with a loop diuretic inhibits compensatory distal tubular sodium reabsorption, leading to enhanced natriuresis. In a propensity score matched analysis in patients with hospitalized heart failure, the addition of metolazone to loop diuretics was found to increase the risk for hypokalemia, hyponatremia, worsening relome function, and mortality, whereas use of higher doses of loop diuretics was not found to adversely affect survival. The guidelines recommend that the addition of a thiazide, example metolazone, to treatment with a loop diuretic should be reserved for patients who do not respond to moderate or high-dose loop diuretics to minimize electrolyte abnormalities. It's a class 1 recommendation with a level of evidence of B. Choice D, or that the maximal daily dose of furosemide is 300 mg, is also incorrect. The guidelines recommend a maximum total daily dose of 600 mg of furosemide, or 10 mg of bumetanide, or 200 mg of torsemide. So my main takeaway is that diuretics are recommended in heart failure patients who have fluid retention to relieve congestion, improve symptoms, and prevent worsening heart failure. Maintenance diuretics on heart failure hospitalization discharge may help prevent recurrent heart failure hospitalizations. They should be used in combination with other GDMT to improve heart failure outcomes. Combining loop and thiazide diuretics may cause serious electrolyte abnormalities and should be reserved for patients who do not respond to moderate or high-dose loop diuretics. Dr. Starling, what's your take on the use of loop diuretics in heart failure patients who are hospitalized? Thank you for that question. I think there's some important takeaways that I should mention at the sake of raising controversy. Number one, some of the source data that was referenced is from a registry, and another is from a non-randomized study with propensity matching. So I think it's important to recognize from my vantage point, a quote-unquote heart failure expert that I don't really care if diuretics are ever used. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that the four pillars of GDMT, which now include an SGLT2 inhibitor, if they are part of the patient's regimen, diuretics are ancillary. Having said that, we have to be extremely cautious and careful, as was elaborated on, not to overdiurese a patient and not to add on drugs like metolazone and hydrochlorothiazide. I will frequently see a patient on 40 milligrams of furosemide that has metolazone added, and I would fully agree that we need to maximize the dose of the loop diuretic as a first step, and those are ancillary agents. If we reflect upon what we've learned about BNP, we know it's important to decongest the patient, and we think if we can decongest the patient with whatever diuretic regimen is required and reduce the N-terminal BNP, that is an important ancillary piece of information when you treat a patient with acute decompensated heart failure in the hospital to reduce readmissions. So going back to, I think, 2010, when we did the Ascend Heart Failure Study, which is published in the New England Journal with Nazaratide, which was not deemed to be a positive study because the p-value in that large trial was 0.07. 
Clearly, you can see that if a patient is on a high dose of diuretics, and this is borne out in the Seattle Heart Failure Score, that is a marker for mortality. The last point that I want to make is that Dr. Gary Francis who at one point in his career was the head of the coronary care unit at the Cleveland Clinic, published many years ago a very seminal study showing that furosemide actually upregulates and activates the neurohormonal system. So diuretics have never been shown in a randomized clinical trial to reduce mortality. Thank you so much, Ahmed and Dr. Starling, for such an interesting discussion on the use of diuretics in heart failure. Thanks for tuning in to another CardioNerds episode. The audio editing for this episode was performed by me, Akiva Rosenzweig. I'm an intern in the CardioNerds Academy House Thomas and resident at Cleveland Clinic. Check out the episode page for show notes and references. If you found this episode or the show informative, please consider subscribing to CardioNerds on your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a review. It really helps us spread the word and further our goal to democratize cardiovascular education. Finally, this podcast is not meant to be used for medical advice. The views expressed on our show and site do not reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. All CardioNerds content is planned, produced, and reviewed solely by CardioNerds. Stay tuned for more engaging conversations and explorations in our upcoming episodes. And now, it's time to make like an S2 and split.